This morning, I have the privilege of introducing our um, guest preacher, um, Alton Hardy. Um, he probably doesn't need an introduction to most of you. He's preached here in the past. Um, he is the pastor of Urban Hope Community Church, which is where I'll be going right after the service to preach this morning. And uh, there is a lot I could say about Alton and just what he has um, done in the city of Birmingham, specifically in the uh, community of Fairfield. Um, I think the world of you, Elton. Um, I think probably the, uh, what I most want to express is just how much Elton means to me personally. Um, he and his wife, Sandra, are dear friends of Lauren and I. And I mentioned just a couple weeks ago in a sermon how friendship is hard for pastors. Um, a lot of times just being a pastor, um, it, it's harder to make friends. Um, it's harder to have people who really come alongside you or with you um, in life and in ministry. And Alton has been one of those people to me. Um, his friendship has meant the world to me over the years. And the Lord has used him, the Lord has used you, Alton, in so many ways to just speak truth and encouragement um, into my life. Uh, we were in a small group for a number of years and, uh, together and got to meet regularly. And uh, I've been deeply shaped by his friendship and his prayers. And so, Alton, we look forward to hearing from you this morning. Um, thank you, Joe, for um, those kind words. Um, same thing for me. Um, your pastor is, um, is one of those guys in, here in Birmingham. Before I met him, he said, man, there's this guy over there in Avondale and that's um, preaching the word of God. That's holding to it. You know, I'm, I'm new in town, so I didn't really know. And, you know, and so finally got a chance to meet him. And it's been just a mutual encouragement um, for pastors, especially in this hour, to just hold to the word of God. And so it's, it's been that for me. Well, I truly believe the Lord really, when Joe, you know, he's going to go over to my church, but I got to preach three times. And you can see, <laughs> if you're not a preacher, you don't want to come to Redeemer. <laughs> You gotta love preaching. <laughs> and so, but anyway, um, I'm gonna read from um, the Gospel of Matthew and then um, 1 Timothy chapter 1. So let us begin reading from verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive 
and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to read 1 Timothy. Verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of all full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we ask now that you would remove any and all impediments, anything that would distract, that you want to be communicated here today at Redeemer Community Church. I pray now that you would speak through me and that you would, Holy Spirit, anoint me and hide me behind the cross. Empower me. Grant me that preaching, teaching ability that I do not have on my own strength, on my own accord, but as you move upon me. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We all know that Advent means arrival, the appearing of the promised one that God made first in Genesis 3.15. After the first man, Adam, transgressed the command of God. We all know that. And from that time, the whole human race have been severely corrupted with a sinful human nature. I know as you try to go up the academia ladder, they try to pretend like it's not so. But those of you that read your Bible, you know that there is something about the human heart that cannot be explained at a university. <laughs> Nothing against the universities. But they can't explain that there's something wrong with the human heart. And I would say to us here this morning, Redeemer, that the evangelical church here in America is undergoing from my humble Sardis observation and perspective Fallen away. Fallen away from the central 
essence and message of the Advent story. And when that falling away happens, and then we're seeing all forms and all types of false gospels that are beginning to corrode and eat away at the central message of the Advent, which we just sang to. I put here in my notes, I want to slow down and really want to encourage you, Joel, and Redeemer, and the leaders here, the elders. I want to encourage you with this. And I put here in my notes and quotations, please hear me. Birmingham needs you to stay committed to that central message of Advent, especially now in these times more than ever before. We need to stay committed to it. Now, I'm going to land the plane. <laughs> I'm going to put the plane on the tarmac. But here from my text this morning, we see there are three things that I want to bring to our attention surrounding the birth of Jesus. Three things. Three observations. The first observation that I see from the text surrounding the birth of Jesus, you know, I'm in a, a young church, got a lot of people having babies and having all kinds of celebrations. But the first thing I see from the text here surrounding the birth of Jesus, first observation, there will be no need to have a gender reveal celebration. <laughs> No need. Matthew 121 says that she will give birth to a son. The angel is very clear. It will be a boy. There will be no debate. The gender will be a boy. They would have no say-so in naming this baby. Now, I have here in my notes, Joel preached last week from Isaiah 7, 14. We know that it was going to be a boy. But you know, right now, in our modern contemporary world, that the fact that you would say it's a boy or a girl, that that would be problematic in some of our churches? Imagine if Mary lived today. It's a boy. No, 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 no. We wanted to be a day. I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to speak to some Miles College kids on gender. And we were up at Miles College doing ministry. And it's becoming a huge issue 
And so my college team, you know, said, Pastor, we got to preach on gender. I said, who's going to teach on it? I was like, well, not us. So they came to me. And probably one of the most, you know, I talk a lot, but I must admit to you, it was probably one of the most intimidating talks I've ever given. About 30 kids, because I knew however way I talked about gender, that I would, could stand to offend someone. And it was very, very intimidating. I really didn't want to do it. And I'll be honest with you, up until then, I had never really broached the subject matter. Just a sermon just on that alone. But because it's coming about to our ministry and what we're doing in Fairfield, we can no longer avoid it. Second observation from the story here, Jesus' birth. Mary and Joseph, or Joseph and Mary, they will have no say-so in naming the boy. That's already been decided. Now, why is that important? That Mary and Joseph don't get to go down history lane and, well, let's just pick a name. But the name of the boy has already been decided in eternity past. Why? Because God is a God who is always committed to the essence and central message of the Advent story. So you will call his name Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua. Joshua, which means God saves. The angel said, you will call him Jesus. He will save his people, which leads me to my third observation. Save us, the people, from what? The word of God says, from their sins. What? From their sins. Redeemer, the people of God then and the people of God now are really the same when it comes to falling away from the essence and central message of the Advent story. The humans are not that different. We're all the same. We're not that different. And let me explain. This message that Jesus would save his people from their sins was to the first century Jew, it was somewhat contrary. It's not what they were looking for. And you, if you read the Bible very carefully, you can see it. We know that the Jews had been in three bondages, Egypt, the Babylonian, and now the Romans. And they had envisioned a Messiah 
that would deliver them just like we do. Man, I've seen it this last two years. They envisioned a Messiah that would deliver them from their political and economic enemies. Not to, to rescue them from the bondage of the Romans. This thing about saving us from our sins, hold on. Now, get the Romans. It's the Romans that's the problem. But the angel says, he's come into the world to save us from our sins. Not to save the Romans from their sins. <laughs> and if you look around, you see even right now, this playing out in our country even among our churches. This is why I am admonishing you to stay committed to the central message of the Advent story. Because the tendency is to always think that our greatest issues are always out there Boy, do I not see this in Fairfield. It's over there. I mean, it's over the mountains of why we are what we are here in Fairfield. Man, I hear that all the time. Some of the times in those meetings where me and Joe would be in, that would be part of the conversation. It's, it's always them. It's over the mountain. It's in that community. The issues are always about what's wrong with our political enemies, our ethnic enemies, and our social justice and systemic enemies. It's not about that he will save us from our sins. It's not the left nor the right. He came to save us from our sins. But just like the Jews then, we want deliverance from the Romans. Because we fail to understand ever since the fall that God has been after one thing and that is the human heart that has been severely corrupted. There was a time in my life that I thought the sin problem around me and the community I lived in was a group of people. And it's taken God a long time to bring me back to the central message of the gospel. That it was never out there. That it was always in here. The Advent Central Message first seeks to liberate his people from their own evils and sins. That's what we're singing. That's what the angel is telling Joseph, that he will save his people from their sins. Now, the angel could have said, you know what, Joseph, 
Um, God has come to get those Romans off of you guys' backs. The, them Herods and them Caesars Augustus, they're, they're, they got them, them systems up there in, in, in the Roman Empire, and they're oppressing you guys. And, and so let me, the angel says, well, uh, uh, Joseph, um, I want to tell you that he will, he's going to deal with the Romans. <laughs> he's going to address the Romans and, and how they're oppressing you guys. That's not what the angel said. The angel is very clear. The angel says, no, he's going to say, you. From your sins. This text from Matthew says he will save his people. And I was preparing for this and I kept asking him he would save his people. And I said, who are the people that he will save from their sins? If you read Matthew very carefully, it says in Matthew 16, Jesus talking to his disciples, and it says, upon this rock, upon this revelation, Peter, I will build my church. And we know that's the people of God that have been called out of the world by the grace of God, through the preaching of God, for saving salvation. And if you keep reading that story in Matthew 16, and then after Peter made the great profession, you are the son of God. Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, but my father, which is in heaven. And then Jesus says, I must now go to Jerusalem, suffer, be killed, and be raised on the third day. And Peter and all of the disciples did what? They tried to stop him because they didn't see that he was dying was for their sins. They thought it was about the Romans. No, man never be. May you never die. May you never go to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, the things that you're thinking, Peter, and the thoughts that your guys are giving, are not the thoughts of God. Because we think it's out there, not in here. The Advent story is about God coming into the world to save sinners. I quoted first Timothy, Paul says, this saying is trustworthy, full of acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, which Paul says, I am the foremost chief of sinners. I would say Paul's a pretty holy guy. When you guys say Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he third heaven, seeing God and say things that he can't even explain. I mean, he suffered a lot, got beat up a lot. <laughs> Paul was a pretty significant dude in the Bible, in the New Testament. We would all agree with that, right? <laughs> we would agree that Paul probably wasn't like struggling. I mean, he, probably, he struggled with sin, but he wasn't going around, you know, 
like some of the modern day preachers today. He was, he was, living, the, he was living the faith. <laughs> he wasn't getting brought up on scandals, all in the CNN news in the Roman Empire. Paul creeping around with somebody. We didn't hear any of that. <laughs> so he's a pretty living the life. Reason why I quoted this, this last part, 1 Timothy 1, but you do not realize Paul, who's pretty holy, a guy who lives for God. I was, you know, I mean, you know, Joe sent me a thing about Georgia and Alabama football. I'm gonna be honest with you. I have worked my way out of the football idolatry here in Birmingham. <laughs> I know. Now, I, I recognize that Alabama won, but I didn't watch the game. Because what was happening to me, I was watching those games when Alabama would lose, I didn't want to preach. So I realized I had started. So I told my church, I am done with the football. <laughs> so, and I think if Paul was living today, Paul, you hear about the game? What game? Paul was about the work of God. So he was pretty safe. He's a holy, living for God. Paul, before this Timothy verse, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, this holy apostle, he says, for I am the least, this word least in Greek, insignificant, trivial, small, of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, Paul says, because I persecuted the church of God. I'm least. And then he says in Ephesians 3, verse 8, to me, though I am the very least, trivial, insignificant, small, of all the saints, of all the Christians, I am the least. And then he gets to 1 Timothy. He says, this sin is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world, the Advent story, to save sinners. And Paul says, for I am of whom I am the foremost. I am the chief of sinners. Let me ask you a question. How many spiritual leaders are you seeing in this hour that are exemplifying and confessing that sense of brokenness that we are sinful and that it is not out there? Paul didn't say that I am he said, I am the chief. He didn't say the Roman sieges are the chief sinners. Paul says, I am foremost chief of sinners. I tell a story. Um, we just particularize in the PCA world. You're not a church until you particularize what deacons and elders, or elders and deacons. We did that a few weeks ago. So I, I've been telling the PCS, I guess all this other time I've been down here nine years, it's just been for, for naught. <laughs> but I understand what they're saying. And 
2021 has been a very fruitful year. I would say that to me personally in ministry. And God did something the Friday before this Sunday particularization service. And, and he just, God just began to bring back up to me. I don't know what I had done with it, but I had suppressed a lot of the stuff that I had did in my BC sinful days or whatever. I don't know what it was. I had just suppressed it. I had totally forgot about it. And I was in Atlanta and I was driving back and the Holy Spirit's okay. There's a lot of stuff happening. You build a new building. You're about to particularize. This is a good time to show you who you are without my grace. Brothers and sisters, in that truck, God brought stuff back to me that I had totally forgot. By the time I got to church on Sunday, I didn't want to be there. You know what the Lord was doing? He was saying, you will never say, you had done this. This is all of my grace. And this is what Paul is trying to say. I am chief among sinners. Do you understand? That's who we are. And God wanted me to know so that I wouldn't be puffed up in pride, that I wouldn't go around and say, I know how to do the church planning. God was letting me know that you, this is not the work of Alton, but this is the work of my grace. And I will join with Paul, brothers, that I am chief among. That's the advent. If we ever lose that, which we tend to do, and part of what's been happening in this modern Christianity is a lot of blame shifting on other people's sins. I spent a lot of time, and this is not because I'm here at your church, not defending my white brothers and sisters. You are no more sinful than anyone else. We are all guilty under the holiness and the righteousness of God. But right now, there are all kinds of messages out there. There are some people that because of the color of their skin tone, they are more sinful, more evil, more diabolical. Where is that coming from? Because what's happening, the message of the advent is being lost. The angel says he will save his people. Not some people who are more sinful. And if you lose sight of that redeemer, it's a slippery slope. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you... that you um, came to save sinners. As our brother Paul says, he was chief foremost among all sinners. How could a holy apostle utter such profession? He recognized that what he was, who he was, was nothing more all granted to him because of his, your grace. Jesus, don't let us forget 
the real meaning of Advent. He will save his people, sozo, rescue, deliver. Not from our political, physical enemies, but the greatest enemy of mankind, which is our spiritual, sinful condition that we cannot heal on our own. He will save our people, his people, from their sins. Save us, Lord. Thank you.